Hey guys, welcome to this bonus episode of the Haas Lady Podcast. I've been sitting down with different experts and just chatting about how our worlds all collide in some form or fashion with organizations. So this is just two folks sitting down to chat, learn about each other's expertise. So sit back, grab some coffee and tea, hang out with us while we chat. Enjoy. It's Becky, the Haas Lady. I am here today with a very special friend, Carla Motes. Carla and I have known each other for quite a while. We um, were featured together um, in the No BS Weight Loss Program as Success Story. So I've known her for a few years now. Super amazing gal. We both have girls named Emma, which I think is fantastic. Anyway, Carla is a financial guru, and I would really like for her to introduce herself. So Carla, welcome. Tell us about what you do, what you love to talk about. Hi, Becky. Thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Carla Motes, and yes, I am a virtual CFO, uh, financial coach, business coach, mostly for female entrepreneurs. Um, I've spent 30 years in a mix of corporate, public accounting, and consulting, and working with businesses businesses from like micro businesses up to you know Fortune 500, um, being a controller for a $200 million business. And um, see, I love, you know, empowering women specifically to understand their numbers um, and take take control of them because I find that whether it's entrepreneurs or women in general, um, they often tend to shy away and, and have a fear of, of the numbers. And yeah, I like to try and dispel that. Before we got on, we were just kind of like, you know, talking about everything we were going to talk about. And of course, I forgot to what, what you just said is the cusp of everything is a lot of times women or anyone really, if they don't are, if they're not comfortable with their situation, they do ignore it. They put their head in the sand and think that it's just going to take care of itself, but that's not at all true. Like, (laughs) obviously there's too many times where I've tried to ignore something and it just snowballs and backfires. So, but that's what Carla is so amazing at what she does. She is helping me in my business and in my like personal life, just getting my finances kind of up front and front and center and that she's teaching me not to be scared of it. And that is why I love it. And I'm love that she's here today. So, all right, Carla. So what do you feel like are, let's like talk physical stuff first. What are your best hacks for being organized with your money, be it your business, be it your personal, what are just the overall generic, general, whatever, what do you think are the best hacks and tricks? I think for me, a lot of it is I'm getting rid of all the paper, um, Due to all the technology now, there's a, you know, it's a joke. There's an app for everything. Uh Um, I do paper for virtually nothing. In fact, my daughter has a uh, tutor for chemistry. And when I went to pay him, I was like, can I sell you or Venmo you the money? And he's like, he's like 75. And he's like, what's that? So he's the only checks. I had to actually go out and order checks to pay this gentleman because I don't use checks for anything. So take advantage of the technology. One of the things I like, one of my favorite hacks is um, on my iPhone, I have an album in my camera roll that says receipts. And so when I go out to dinner, 
Um, I need a receipt. If it's not something that I can get emailed to me, I just take a snapshot of it. Um, you can even create one for business receipts and personal receipts. So um, I just went out today and bought something for my business. I take a snapshot of the receipt and then the receipt can be, you know, can be thrown away. So I think that's one of it. Sign up for um, paper statements on anything you can. There's no need anymore to get a paper bank statement, a paper mortgage statement. Sign up. And a lot of the added coup is a lot of companies because I used to manage a, an invoicing department and it's so much cheaper for companies to bill you electronically than it is to do paper because they have mm -hmm. to pay to have either a person or a machine stuff envelopes and everything. So a lot of companies will give you an incentive, earn $10 off your next bill if you sign up for paper statements. So go check out your mortgage, your cell phone, um, your internet services. A lot of them will have incentives. So it gives you an extra plus. Um, same thing with payments. Um, I pay virtually everything online um, and, you know, very little, you know, I'm trying to think right now, of, do I have any bill that comes to me that I have to physically write a check out? Medical, maybe sometimes, maybe uh -huh. a bill, but most businesses actually want you to pay online because it is mm -hmm. much faster. Um, and, you know, they dread the, yeah, the checks in the mail conversation. Um, so pay yourself electronically um, and just put things in categories um, for anything that you do have to like keep physical files for. I have like a little, you know, I don't know, eight and a half by 14, like accordion file uh -huh. in my closet and it holds things like loan papers, things like that. And in theory, I could have a scanner and I could also scan all those in and I uh -huh. could folders. If you are going to have physical documents, you know, keep them separated. But I think a lot of, for me, the big thing is I hate paper. Yes. I hate paper. I hate the paper clutter. Um, and so get as much of it electronically and online as you can. I think that's very true. Like you were saying, it's okay to have some papers in like your little accordion file because some things you do have to keep, you know, actual paper copies of like your, um, like your birth certificates and things like that, that you just absolutely need to have those in papers. And I keep like what we call the Bible. I've talked about on my podcast before, but it's just a, a notebook with the, the plastic page protectors that I have everything filed away that, you know, can't be, I mean, obviously it can be digital, but you know, we want to have the physical form, but I have seen, and I used to do this. I was so bad about it. Like every bill that would come in the mail I was scared to throw away. So I would just put it in a box and I don't know where that fear came from other than probably our parents told us, you know, you have to keep everything in case the IRS ever comes back to audit you. And that has never happened. But for some reason that fear was still like embedded in my soul. So I was afraid to get rid of anything. Yeah. I, th and I, think, I think a lot of that comes from our parents. I know when my grandparents, um, when we had to downsize my grandparents' house, we we would find stuff back to, to and this was in like the, what, early nineties, we would find stuff in their back to 1950 something, you know, checks oh, yeah. in 1950 something. Um, but again, I think a lot of that was before the advent of electronics, because like bank statements, I don't even keep bank statements anymore because the banks have to provide, the banks have to provide you a statement. Usually you can go on. So like I, my bank was with PNC and I think I can go on and pull up like three months, three years of worth of bank statements without any problems. But if for some reason 
some remote reason, I would ever have to go back seven years. All I have to do is send something to the bank because the bank is subject to, you know, requirements from mm-hmm. you know, banking authorities and, and things like that. Cancel checks, the same kind of thing. I can go pull an image of a check. So there's really, you know, yes, birth certificates, um, uh, loan. You need to keep your loan documents until it's paid off. And I, I would keep those in the original paper form. Your mortgage, some of your mortgage, your car loan. Um, once you've paid it off, you still need to keep all your prop, your forms from when you bought your house, bought your car. You keep those until you sold it. Um, but even then, when you're talking about putting them in a, a little folder, I advise people to buy a fireproof box. It's the chances of like something happening in your house or remote. But if it does and something were to happen, you know, it's going to burn through whatever records you have. Another option mm-hmm. is a safe deposit box. But yeah, go out and invest a small amount of money in a fireproof safe or a fireproof box, depending on how big your records are, stick all of those records in there so mm-hmm. that um, in the event, you know, you know, some unfortunate accident, you don't lose, uh, you don't lose those records. So a birth certificate, like marriage certificates, your loan papers, um, what else do you recommend? Those, I know we tax papers, we don't really need to keep tax, yeah. do we? I keep my, you have to keep your taxes for that. People say three to seven years. It's basically three years if you file correctly, but seven years, if, if you're, if you're, if you're out there, and you've got some income, maybe that you should have declared that you didn't. Uh, that's basically why they say seven years because the IRS could go back seven years. I think it is on um, underreported income or fraud. Um, uh-huh. They go back three years. Long. You can basically be, when you file a legit tax return, you have three years to be audited. So I, generally I tell people seven years for tax returns, but again, you don't have to keep it online or I'll keep it in paper. Um, I use, I do all my taxes on a, on a website, Tax-Free USA. That's where my return is. If I need to go print my return for three years ago, I just top onto their website and I pull it up. And when I finish the return, I typically spool off a PDF and that PDF goes into like a Dropbox folder where I keep the file, but I don't keep a physical copy of my tax return. You will need to keep W-2s, 1099s, any other support for your tax return, durable donations. So if you're going to keep your tax returns for seven years, you keep all of your supported documentation for seven years. But again, if you go out and invest yourself in a scanner, or in many cases now, your your phone, the phones or an iPad camera has become so sophisticated that they take really good images. So you could, you know, um, you could take images of those. I always keep a backup of your passport, even though a copy of your birth certificate, a copy of your passport's not the same thing as the original. Uh, it's just like when you travel, it's one of the things they tell you when you travel overseas is yes, you keep take your passport, but you also want to take a photo of your passport that you can have on you at all times in the event you were to lose a physical passport and you have to go to the U.S. Embassy and you can show them at least your, you know, your your documents. So again, you can you know s- still take electronic copies, of invest yourself in a scanner. There's just very little you have to keep true paper for. And yes, it would be birth certificate, marriage certificate, death certificates of family members, your loan payments, uh, or not your loan payments, but your loan documents, um, property documents, social security cards would be mm-hmm. another one. You know, again, put them someplace, put them in a fireproof box. There's just not a whole lot. If you start asking yourself, do I really need to have this in paper form? I'm going to guess that 90% of the time, the answer is going to be no. Right, right. So yeah, I don't keep bank statements. All of those come to me electronically now. I don't keep many receipts. But now that you know I've been doing the business, which is really funny that you just said that you take pictures of your receipts, because I was like, 
keeping them over here in a stack. And then it dawned on me, Becky, just take a picture of it. So I literally was just last week taking pictures of the receipts so that I would have record of them, at least on my phone. And then I actually put them straight into Google Drive. So they're all, you know, together in one place. Yeah, you can do that because you can also take a picture of them and then you can email that picture to your email address and that so that they're all in a a folder in your Mm. email. The other thing is if you're on a, if you have a business and you're on a system like QuickBooks or Xero is another one um, that people use, those systems pretty much all have apps that allows Mm -hmm. you to attach. I use QuickBooks for my business and I can go in and attach an image or attach a PDF to any receipt. So once I take Mm -hmm. the image, I just load it up into my system and it's there. It's all in one place. A lot of what you want receipts for is when your taxes are being done, right? You know, you want to pull those up. So, so um, it's just that, yeah, you don't need to have, you don't need to have paper. And even when you go and check out at stores now, most stores will ask you, do you want to print or do you want both? And in most cases, I just have it emailed to me because I also, if I need to return something, now I don't have to be going and searching for that piece of paper that says, I've got it. All I've got to do is go into my email and find my most recent, you know, email from Target or whatever the store happens to be. What's funny is when I get that message, I'm like, I don't want to put my email address in there. You're just going to like fire up my email box with all your, you know, marketing nonsense. Well, that's what, well, and, and sometimes it does happen. They're not supposed to do that. They're only supposed to do that if you opt in. And and it'll, usually there will be a thing. Yes, send me emails and you just uncheck that box. But um, again, I'm on Gmail. So all that stuff goes into my updates, my mm-hmm. promotions, my social folder. And honestly, I never even look at it. I, you know, you can set up a rule that if it you know says receipt, even it goes, it has a special label. You need to just play with it a little bit. But to me, um, yeah, I, I just, I hate paper. Um, it's <laughs> part of it's an environmental thing, I think, but it's also, yeah. it's just, it just clogs up my, it's just one more thing, you know, one more thing. Yeah. To have, so I think when we were talking about before is it's also a security thing, like to have everything, was it you and I that were talking about, like, it's, it's safer to have things up in the cloud than it is to have, you know, just sitting around the house or whatever. Well, I mean, this is something I'll he- I hear from people all the time um, is their worry about being hacked, you know, one of the services being hacked, you know, Google being uh-huh. hacked. It does happen. Is somebody going to hack your um, your desk in the basement? People are like, no one's going to hack, you know, no, probably no one's going to hack my, my door in the basement. But I think you research services um, that provide some s- levels of security, like is there a chance that your Google will get hacked? But usually what they're hacking is your user ID information. Mm-hmm. It's your login, your passwords. So one of the most important things is to change your passwords periodically. They're not so much going in and hacking into your specific document. Everybody has to weigh that themselves. Um, and again, there's different, you can go out and you can search. Cause actually I was, I have a new client and who's on QuickBooks and we were trying to figure out how to share information. And I was like, I don't know if I want you putting it on a Google Drive or a QuickBooks. So I went out and searched and like QuickBooks has like bank level security. 
So if you're, you know, if you're, you know, it depends on what it is, because if you can find bank level security out there, any place that's that's managing social security numbers, account numbers, things like that, they tend to have bank level security, which is multi-level mm-hmm. encryption, and they're pretty safe um, versus, so a lot of it, again, you know, depends on, you know, depends on what kind of your data is. You know, I'm a big believer in, you know, take, take use of technology, do some research on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's different levels. And a lot of times too, you can pay for different service levels, um, in terms of security levels, um, in, you know, in your, um, in your files. And if you do put it on your computer, you want to mm-hmm. make sure you're doing a backup. I'm on a MacBook, So part of my fee that I pay to iCloud every month includes automatic backups of my, so I don't have to worry about it. But if you're not on that, you know, you, you want to have like an external drive or something that you're backing your data up to you know, on a weekly or at least monthly basis. So make sure you're backing up your computer files. So one thing that I, I that's coming up for me is kind of our parents' generation or the, I don't want to call them boomers, but, you know, the, the older crowd that's not as tech savvy as maybe our generation and definitely the generation's younger than us. I think about that, but like my dad, he is, he is very techie and he, you know, he'll get on his little iPhone and like scan documents and things like that. It's super cute, but not everybody's like that. So in this kind of situation, especially like with our elderly parents or maybe, um, you know, our spouses or partners, what do you recommend? Cause if something were to happen to, let's say a parent, or your spouse, what do you recommend that you tell, I guess, your clients or whatever to how to organize that? And what, what are some suggestions that to keep, I am really botching this. I'm trying to say it the right way. And I don't I know, know how I know to, what you're to say it. Yeah, my, <laughs> my, my parents are 80. Both my parents are alive. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm blessed for that, but yeah, they're, they're 80. And I actually, my dad is a former systems guy. He's uh Unless it's a MacBook, he's very tech savvy. And we <laughs> joke with him that if anything were to happen to him, we're, we're up a creek because he creates passwords that, you know, I'm not sure the NSA could break into. So I think, <laughs> I think it's creating a, I think it's probably having a sit down conversation because I've started to, you know, um, think about this as well, because it's not even just your, your parents, but like if something were to happen to my dad. Yeah, it would be to helping my mom navigate it because she's not very tech savvy. And mm-hmm. it's like, how how would we know where everything is? So you can do a few things. You can sit down and have a conversation. I think one of the most important things is to have passwords to the various things that they have access to. And it's not even, I'm a single mom. Um, so for me, it's also with my parents. If something, when, when, when I, particularly when I was younger or when my daughter was younger, she's, she's almost out of high school now, but making sure that they had access. If something were to happen to me, then I need to have somebody who could come in, get access to my money, get access to my 401k, would know my insurance benefits. So it's not even just your parents, it's your own spouse. Um, if you are a single, single parent, um, even if your kids are growing, it's making sure mm-hmm. that they would have access to it. But I think it's knowing what the passwords are, probably sitting down and having a dedicated conversation, knowing where are records. And that's where that, that firebox comes uh-huh. in handy. Because get a firebox, get two keys, give a second key to somebody else, put your will, everything else in there so that they can come in and everything's in one place, create a file. I think my father has actually done this. He's actually gone out and created a file on his on his computer 
that's got all the pertinent information so that we would be able to go in and find it. But I think a lot of it is just, it's an uncomfortable conversation. I remember when um, my parents were my age um, and they were having to have these conversations with their parents. And I remember hating it at the time. I was like, like, it's just morbid. Let's not talk about it. But you know, now, now I'm, you know, my parents are 80 and I'm, and it is, it makes you, it's like you're, you feel like you're tempting fate or whatever. Um, but I think it's important to just, you know, have the, um, you know, have the conversation. Um, durable powers of attorney, you know, these, we're going to be on financial documents here, but it's also legal documents, um, living wills, all those types of things. You want to know where you can get at those documents and get to them, you know, in an easy manner. And even one of the other things that I think people, I, you know, I'm, again, my daughter's heading off to college. I know your, your daughter is, um, I don't know, is in college is once uh-huh. those kids turn 18, your ability to access any medical information now, if they were to be in an accident yeah. in college is gone. And so one of the yeah. things that you'll, you'll, you'll see, um, you'll see ads for it periodically show up is making sure that when your kids turn 18, you get, take them out and, and execute some kind of document so that if they were to be, you, you don't want it to happen. You don't ever want to think about it with your kids, but if they were to be in an accident or, need medical attention or something that you have the ability to access medical information because otherwise the medical field will not provide it to you because they are now considered mm-hmm. an adult. So it's, it's not even, like I said, it's not just your parents, you know, it's your children too. Um, as they, yeah. as they go out into, you know, as they go out into the world. Yeah. It's like everyone, you, everyone basically in your family, you need to have that conversation. I remember when before, before mom was even like, just, she was still working. So it was before she retired, she came to me and she said, Hey, I drew up all these papers and everything's right here. So if anything ever happened to me, it's all right here. And I, I was like, please, let's not talk about this. I don't, I don't want to hear this. But then, you know, when she suddenly passed away and very unexpectedly, had we not had that conversation, oh my God, it would have been, it would have been horrible because she was not an organized person. She was, you know, this was for her, it was so uncharacteristic to be prepared. You know what I mean? To like think ahead like that. So yeah, I think that's amazing. Everyone should have that conversation as hard as it is. And I think if you set it up as like, a, this is a dedicated time to have the conversation, mm-hmm. uh, f- figure out what's what's the way you want to have it. And even while, you know, while they're still healthy, especially if, if your parents, you know, are at the age where they still have all their cognitive abilities, uh-huh. because uh-huh. unfortunately, as they get older, you uh-huh. know, certain, um, you know, cognitive abilities, so they can be in a position where they're, you know, they don't even really recognize you know, what's, what you're, what's going on. So you want to make sure that you're having those conversations while they still have their full faculties. And it's also that conversation to chance to have that conversation about, you know, if something were to happen to you, you know, really what, you know, what, what kind of decisions would you want me to make? And again, we're venturing here beyond financial, you know, things. But yeah. I, think is, I think as you get older, it is, you know, it is that really uncomfortable conversation that, that when you were 25, you never thought you'd have to have. Right. Right. Yeah. So speaking of like going back full circle, the uncomfortableness of addressing things that you think are going to be hard. So like, let's say you're living paycheck to paycheck and every month your bills come and you just, you dread it. You're sick at your stomach every time you have to pay bills, those kinds of things. And then, so you stop being proactive and you stop getting in, you know, being very invested in your own financial situation what are some things that you could tell anyone? It's not 
the end of the world, you know, it's just a feeling, it's fleeting, it's going to pass. Like what kind of things, a mindset approach to financial peace? Well, the thing I, you know, we, you mentioned when you introduced me that we both came through Corinne's No BS Weight Loss. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I'm often telling, because I'm again, I'm working a lot right now, I'm, you know, um, I work a lot with seven figure entrepreneurs who, who figure out how to make money, but I'm also working a lot with coaches or new entrepreneurs that are still trying to make money and they're paying expenses left and right. And they know they're losing money. They don't really have any idea how much they're afraid to look. And the thing I tell them is that your bank account, um, your numbers, how much money you're making and losing, is just like the scale. It's just like the, the weight loss scale. And when people come into no BS, there's, well, you know, think about all the people that have the scale drama, that that number on the scale means something, that the, the, the number on the scale is the end goal. The number on that scale isn't, it's just a number. It's not doing anything to you. Um, the number in your bank account, the number of your salary, the money you owe in your taxes, all of it is purely a number. So I think when you can take the idea that the number is just a number, that it's really all your mind drama that's creating the anxiety mm-hmm. your thoughts about the money. What I, you know, what I tell, you know, my big thing when I work with um, even new entrepreneurs is you need to set, you know, this cause you're, you, you're in our mastermind set, a, <laughs> set an intentional profit goal. Right. And mm-hmm. so I, the reason I tell them that is I said, whether you look at your account and realize you're you've lost $15,000 for the year, or you don't look at the account, you still lost $15,000 for the year. <laughs> yeah. And so all you're doing is just basically buffering and you're just avoiding it. Because once you know, you can make a decision because there's actually nothing wrong, you know, is okay right now with ha- with having a business that's not making money. It's more about making that intentional decision. It's the same thing with the paycheck. You're still living from paycheck to paycheck, whether you look at it or not. And once you start to confront your, you know, wh- where you're actually spending money, that's mm-hmm. when you're like, well, hey, I wonder if I really need, you know, three streaming services. I mean, I, I, this is how I ditched my cable. I was like, I was paying $250 a month for cable. And I was like, I'm going to cut the cord. And I saved like $175. Um, yeah. Also, one of the things I recommend, and it does have a cost, it's about, it's about $100 a year. It's called YNAB. You need a budget. Um, I don't use it for business, but I am using it for personal, um, mostly mm-hmm. because I wanted to get a grip on how much money I spend to eat out. I'm not a big cook. And I'm like, I want to see how much I'm actually spending on food out. You know, I joke mm-hmm. that Pan- people at Panera know me when I come in, they enter my order before I ever get up to the counter. <laughs> um, and it's been mind boggling how much money I spend on eating out just because I don't like to cook. So yeah. but what you do in YNAB is it basically has you um, assign dollars for each paycheck that comes in. You assign it to your different buckets and it's it's really good getting you to get understand where your money's going, getting mm-hmm. you to be proactive about it. So that any, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had some car trouble and I had to spend unexpectedly out of my pocket like $700 to have my mm-hmm. car fixed. And before I would have been like, well, do I have, do I have, you know, is it really $700, you know, I don't look paycheck to paycheck, but I, you know, I also don't just have money, you know, sitting around, I'm building a business. And I just pulled up my YNAB and I was like, oh yeah, I have like, you know, $1,800 sitting in this emergency fund. And so I could just use that and I'll pay that. And it takes a lot of that anxiety away. So again, I believe knowledge is power and not knowing mm-hmm. your numbers is actually creating more anxiety. Uh-huh. I've never uh-huh. had somebody get control of their finances, start to understand what, where their money's going. Even if they were losing $25,000, I've never had any of them say, man, I wish I'd never known. 
Yeah. I'm still, you know, ignorant, uh, blissfully ignorant. I've never had anybody tell me that. They always say it's empowering to at least know where they stand. Yeah. I used to do this a lot is just ignore it and think that it's going to go away. So it doesn't go away, guys. I promise. <laughs> it just comes right back. And I can't tell you how many customers I have helped that I will walk in and they'll just have boxes of bills, you know, that they've just been putting in a box. I guess that's their magic. You know, it's going to go away and fix itself box. But and I used to have one, too. Let me tell you, it, it's not fun, but being on top of it, just approaching it like it's not a scary thing. It's just a number. Numbers cannot hurt you. Numbers cannot, you know, they're not a basis of your morality or how good of a person you are. And it doesn't have anything to do with what you do. It's just a number. So definitely. And, and if you are that. in debt or if you are behind on a bill, that doesn't define who you are as a person. I think that's the other thing too, is I coach a lot of times on the similarities between, I've, I see a lot of similarities between weight loss and when people uh-huh. try to get out of debt or something is that they've taken that number on the scale or the amount of debt they owe or anything. And they made it mean something about them. And really, once you have the knowledge, what it allows you to do is to put a plan in place and um, and when you can proactively put a plan on place, um, again, it just gives you a feeling of empowerment. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, this has been amazing. Carla, is there anything else that you want to share with us? Anything that we didn't talk about or cover that you think our audience would love to hear? No, I think, I, you know, I think the biggest thing I try and tell people is knowledge is power. Don't avoid your numbers. They're not they're not that complicated. Seek out sources. You know, find me over on my website. Sometimes I'll do things on personal finance. Um, definitely if they have business, I talk a lot about understanding your business numbers. But go out, seek somebody out if you need to. But a lot of times it's just just realize it's just a number. And like I said, you really don't need to um, you know, to keep all the paper that our mm-hmm. grandparents kept. Paper needs to go. We don't need the paper. Uh, the other thing I would probably add is invest in a shredder. Get yourself a home oh. shredder. Mm-hmm. Because you can, if you are having paper or you're decluttering, don't put uh-huh. things, that, particularly like bank statements, mortgage statements, anything with this, definitely anything with a social security number, put them, in a, put them through a shredder. I have a shredder that sits right below my desk here. In my mm-hmm. house, you know, shred your documents. And actually, if you in a lot of communities too, they will have you know annual or semi-annual recycling things where they will bring in a humongous like com- you know commercial shredder. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I've done that a few times where I have you know where I've been yeah. cleaning out old documents, especially if you're cleaning out your parents' house or something. Go save it. Go to one of those document things, and then they just throw them into a huge shredder right while it works. Right there on site. Yeah, I've seen them do that. What's funny is this kind of goes back. My um, ex-husband's grandmother passed away years ago, and we were going through her house and her papers, and she had her mortgage papers from like the, I don't even know, and she paid like $4,000 for her house. It's just insanity. But we we basically burned up her shredder that she had because there was so much paper and we were trying to shred so much. It was like, finally, we just put it in a box and took it down to the, well, I think shredder, it was the my, store. My shredder's supposed to have one of those automatic offs, but it won't work anymore. I have to turn it off manually. I need to probably in lar- in, invest in a larger shredder. But <laughs> uh, yeah, 
you know, but yeah. definitely invest in a shredder and even maybe a scanner. And most, most printers now will have a scanner, yeah. you know, um, you know, built into them. I really awesome. in here. appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And tell everybody where we can find you on the social media and all this stuff. Um, I, you can find me at my website at www.carlamokes.com. Um, and if you are a business owner, you can grab my free guide to you know, make you more profit. I hang out mostly now on LinkedIn, on, on Facebook. You can find me on both at Carla Motes Coaching. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Carla. It was fantastic. And I'm sure our um, the audience really can take a lot of this to heart. So, all right, guys. Well, yep. Thank you so much, everybody, for being here. We will see you next time. Bye. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for listening to the Host Lady Podcast. I am so happy you took time today to change your life for the better. If you or someone you love really struggles with the daily habit of resetting your home, your struggle is almost over. I am so excited to announce that we are about to launch an online course that is going to help you stop cleaning and start living. To learn more, visit thehoslady.com slash get started to get on my mailing list. You don't want to miss this. Until next time, let's get to it.